0: Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada, and this is Truth and Life today with Dr. John Newfeld and our guest from In Doubt, Isaac D'Agno. Uh, we want to continue in our discussions we had from the last couple of weeks where we talked about natural disaster and the sovereignty of God, and we, we determined from Scripture that God is ultimately in control, and He's in control of anything that happens, or He permits these things to happen for his purposes. Today we want to talk a little bit more about the the direct suffering that results in uh, some of these devastating disasters, these tragedies uh, that have taken place recently in places like uh, Texas and the Caribbean and and Las Vegas with the shootings and these types of things. So that's where we're going to go today. If you want to find out more about Back to the Bible or about this program, Truth in Life Today, just want you to go to backtothebible.ca and you can get all the information there, look at back episodes or whatever you'd like. But today, let's start the conversation mm-hmm. about suffering. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a difficult one, and I think for a lot of different reasons because we, we look at suffering from a distance and we do so much of that in media today. Yeah. We know everything that's going on. So suffering is before us all the time. Mm-hmm. We can look at suffering from a very personal level. But I thought we'd start out, John, with, with the idea of, What would we describe as sort of a theology or a biblical theology of suffering? What might that look like?
1: Well, I I think we start with simply acknowledging the reality of suffering. You know, there are religious systems in the world which, which relegate suffering to an illusion. Sure. And for the Christian, we simply can't go there. We have to acknowledge the reality of what people actually encounter in their own lives. And Ben, you'd made this, this mention of the fact that today with, with all the information that's coming in, we're, yeah. we're more aware of suffering in the world than perhaps we've ever been. And, and you also made mention of you know Las Vegas and then the natural disasters. But sometimes I think we just simply ignore the, the suffering of the world. You know, if you simply ask yourself, you know, what is the death toll every single day in this world? Yeah. You know, I mean, what kind of illnesses are people struggling with? And, and what about starvation and famine? And, you know, we just start adding it all up. And I would think that the suffering that rises from this world is appalling. Yeah. Uh, and then we have to ask ourselves, so what's going on? If there's a God of love, so forth. And I think the second step in, after we've acknowledged the suffering of the world, we have to acknowledge that not only is God sovereign, but the kind of God that's sovereign. Um, yes, he's loving, but he's also the righteous God. And, you know, we read Romans 1.18, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the right unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth of God. Mm-hmm. And so we have that as well. And so we have, I think, in this world, an actualization of both heaven and hell, of both Mm. the wrath of God and the mercy of God. I think the overwhelming sense that we ought to have from the suffering of this world is that God has decided not to treat the human race as our sins deserve, but has withheld the winds of his wrath by providing mercy, grace, and kindness, and goodness in the world that we have. Yeah. So I think we have to turn the matter around and say, not why is there suffering in the world, but why is there any good in this world, yeah. given that sin actually exists?
0: Yeah, I don't know as part of human nature or whatever the case might be, uh, but we, we're really turning things on ear. We're saying, you know, it's not about uh, the bad. It's about what God is doing in the midst of all that
1: bad to show mercy and grace, you know, I just had lunch just before we did this broadcast, and I ended up talking to some Fijian Indians who were sitting there. And I said, well, how did your family go to Fiji? And they said, well, 100 years ago, our forefathers went to Fiji because of opportunity, and we didn't know, that is, their family didn't know, that they were actually being taken into slavery. Wow. Uh, so, you know, the the stories, I think the stories in this world that that just compile one after another about human inhumanity against other human beings Mm -hmm. is also a part of this story, and that's a part of suffering. And it is caused by the wickedness in human hearts. So we have to recognize that wickedness creates suffering Mm -hmm. and that God in his infinite mercy and knowledge, wisdom, has allowed a certain amount of it, which, you know, from my, my vantage point seems enormous and overwhelming. Right. Yeah. But God allows it that far and yeah. says, I must let you see what sin actually looks like. Okay. I think it's part of the, the story.
0: So here's the perspective, maybe out of a little bit out of culture today. Uh, Kushner's book, in respect to uh, why do bad things happen to good people. Right. And the end result, I think, uh, being that he determined that. Uh, God is good, yeah. but because of all the suffering that takes place, all the bad things, God cannot also be all-powerful. Yeah. So how do you feel
1: about that? You know, uh, Kushner is well-known for having abused the book of Job okay. um, in his book. I mean, he, he really does a bad job of interpreting Job. I mean, at every single level, he can be challenged by his Bible study. Um, So he would be what you would call a liberal Jewish rabbi and uh, Kushner simply disbelieves the God of the Bible. I mean the God of the Bible says in, in Psalm 115 verse 3, our God is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases. And so God is not restricted in any sense. His arm is not so short, as Isaiah says, that he cannot save. Uh, So at any point in time, he can stop the suffering of this world, but he's chosen not to. And I think if we do a proper theology of suffering, we should be able to give about six or seven reasons why suffering exists in the world. And Ben, when we do that... I don't think that we're giving individual answers. I mean, I I can't say to you or to Isaac, this is why you've gone through this difficult time. That we can't do, but we can say it in generalized terms. Yeah, yeah. Interesting.
2: Isaac? Well, I was just going to say from that uh, Kushner's view and others as well, uh, one of the reasons why those views are popular, even among young adults, is because there's something logical about it. If we can say, if, if, if people in my generation, the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, can say and understand, okay, God isn't all-powerful, and that's why there is all this sin and suffering in the world, it's like, okay, that, I can understand that. Because if God was all-powerful and he wasn't stopping all these things, that's hard to believe. It's hard to uh, for a younger person who is used to having everything, all the answers that they need to make sense in their rational mind. Uh, there, there's something mysterious about the fact that God does um, allow specific suffering and sin to continue on. Now, obviously, you talk about those purposes, and that can obviously really help. But there is a mystery there, and I think we've a lot of for a lot of young adults um, that this idea that there is a mystery in, in, in the suffering of the world um, that it's just almost unacceptable in a sense. They're 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 conditioned with this mindset where it is unacceptable to be able to, st- or it's a cop out to say, well, it's a mystery. And leave it at that.
1: Well, I think there's something... I agree with you, Isaac. I think there's something more to it than that as well. I think the idea that God is somehow involved in this... A lot of people find very objectionable. Right. Uh, We just simply... In a sense, I think we live in a culture and I'm talking about Canada right now in this year, yeah. uh, in which we've gone through this long period of time of peace. It's unprecedented yeah. s- over 70 years since the Second yeah. World War ended, and we have been, you know, this unprecedented time of peace. So I think that we've come to view the, the absence of suffering as yeah. the norm, and then when suffering happens, you know, it's, it's something unusual has occurred rather than the 70 years that we've had as an unusual, no- uh, unusual right. thing that's not the norm. Right, yes? no. yeah. That's good, hmm. yeah. that's really
2: good. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I was, uh, I was talking to a young adult recently who was, one of his uh, family members was struggling, uh, suffering, and uh, he, was, he was confused. He didn't know how to think of it. And uh, I'm not, hopefully this was good uh, biblical counsel, but I, I showed him John 9, which is a, is a, is a little uh, story about a man that was born blind. And his disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man is born blind? And we could say this man who was born blind is suffering, right? There's, a, there's something wrong here. And Jesus says neither. It's not specifically this guy's sin that made him to suffer, but it was so that God would be glorified. There would be some display of God's glory in and through the suffering. Two chapters later, a man dies. That's suffering. You know, there is suffering there. And Jesus says at the very beginning of the story that there's a reason why he died, and it's to glorify God. And I think that's great counsel to be able to explain to people. Your suffering is not because you necessarily sinned, but it's, it's to show God's glory somehow through it.
1: I think also that when Jesus says, you know, he didn't sin, I think he means that his sin is not greater than the next person's sin. Exactly, yeah. You know, it's not as if he's targeted because of something he's done. So in the Bible, that's always denied. You know, that the suffering of an individual is directly related one to one. You must have done something back here which has created this. That's denied but you know for believers we might say there's a difference in suffering than it is for unbelievers. Yeah, yeah. I mean for believers, I mean we are called upon to identify with Christ. Uh, I think uh 1st Peter tells us that our suffering also uh, takes away our attachment to this world mm-hmm. and we come to do what you know I think what C.S. Lewis said so well. He says, you know, that there are either heavenly comforts or there are no comforts at all, right? right? right. So you know, uh, I think that's what suffering does to us. You know, it disconnects us from our desire to live in this world and puts us in touch with the kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. What do you think then is the reason that I mean, whether you're a non-believer or you're a church be- believer, um, we all struggle with this idea of suffering and why it takes place and what's happening. And 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 uh, you know, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to personally suffer and and how we can share and speak and give confidence and encouragement to those that are suffering and perhaps how not to as well. Yeah. But uh, there's this sense uh, even within the church that we're struggling with all of this stuff. Uh, how can God allow these things to happen and still be a loving God? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would we say to the church?
1: I think we have to... Always understand the love of God within the context of all of his attributes. So we can't take love and make it the defining attribute of God at the expense of everything else. Mm. God is at the same time loving and infinitely wise... and knows all things and is completely righteous and is filled with wrath and filled with love at the same time not sometimes and sometimes not right all of these things are true so unless we get a holistic picture of god i don't think we'll ever understand the love of god
0: well thanks so much guys for your uh, conversation today about suffering we look forward to talking more about that again next week. Uh, we do want to encourage you to join us again. And uh, you'll notice that uh, during the program today, there's been a slide that goes up that tells you all the different places you can tune into Truth and in Life today. I should also mention that Isaac is uh, is the leader of our In Doubt Ministries. And if you want to know anything about In Doubt, you can go to indoubt.ca. Thanks so much. And we look forward to seeing you again next week.
2: We hope you're enjoying the new Truth and Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info@backtothebible.ca at or find us on Facebook by searching Truth and Life Today.